Hello, Mosaic family. Happy Saturday. Happy sunny, warm Saturday. It is spring to stay, I promise. No more winter, number three or four. I hope you've had a good Saturday. We, uh, the student team hosted a um, leaders meeting with a lot of our mission trip leaders, about 20 of them from mission trips two weeks ago, and just shared stories and, and talked and, and uh, uh, prayed over what God did on our mission trips. And Man, there was laughter, there was tears. Um, if you ever wanna know some cool things that is happening in our congregation, just ask someone who's leading one of our cell groups or ask me or someone else on the student team because we always have a plethora of things that God is doing amongst our student ministry and I will plug that for eternity. Um, hi, I'm Scott Jones. I'm one of the student pastors here at Mosaic um, and it's good to see you. Let's stand and worship together, please. Come let us worship, sing it together. Come let us worship our King. Come let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You freed every captive and break every chain. Oh, God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh, Jesus, our Savior. Your name lifted high, oh God, you have done great things. You've been faithful through every storm, and you'll be faithful forevermore. You have done great things. I know you do for your promises, yes and amen, you will do great things. God, you do great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You freed every captive and break every chain. Oh, God, you will do great your freedom, awake and alive. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh, God, you have done great things. Hallelujah, God, above it all. Hallelujah, God, unshakable. have done great things. Hallelujah, God, above it all. Hallelujah, God, unshakable. Hallelujah, you have done great things. 
you've done great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You freed every captive and break every chain. Oh, God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high, oh God, you have done great things, you will do great things, oh God, you do great things. God, it's with glad hearts that we sing that tonight, that you are great and you do great things and you are faithful and will continue to be. It's with glad hearts that we sing that. Lord, help our minds and our uh, awareness to be on you, our hearts to be centered on you, the um, guilt or shame or anger or fear that we walked in with tonight or even the joy and the gladness we walked in with tonight to just be overtaken by an awareness of you and a, a gladness to be in your presence. King Jesus, we love you and we look to you always. Forgive us where we haven't, even today or yesterday or this week. You are good and you will always be good. You have always been good. It's in your good name we pray, amen. You can take a seat. Hey, like I said, my name is Scott and I'm uh, on the student team here um, and it's good to be with you tonight at Fellowship Mosaic. Uh, we have just a couple short announcements. Um, so first off is disaster relief. Um, maybe some of you live in Springdale and you were affected by the tornado this week or you probably know someone um, that has been affected by the tornado this week. Um, our elders have opened up the disaster relief fund and are, um, have already found um, some people to partner with um, to bring relief to. Um, so if you would like to give to Disaster Relief, uh, we are not just working with people in Springdale right now, we're also working with partners and friends over in Ukraine. Um, actually, right now, there is a family that because of the generosity of fellowship is uh, being flown over to Canada uh, for safety. Um, and there's a cool story behind that that Brian Pope and his team on Global Outreach have been working with. Um, so regarding Ukraine, regarding the tornado down in Springdale, near and far, uh, we want to bring relief to people across the world. And so please um, give if you feel called to. Um, for all of you men in the room, there is a men's retreat coming up soon, and it's gonna be awesome. Jerry Dudley has put in a lot of work, um, and Jerry Dudley has done this for many years, and I know these retreats are a really, really awesome time of community and connection uh, with the men in our body. Uh, so sign-ups are live. Please go sign up to, the, uh, to go on the men's retreat. Like I said, it's an awesome time, and I think we got a video um, that's a little promo for that, so let's go ahead and take a look at this.
So I first got involved with Mosaic Men's Retreat uh, a couple years after it had started. Me and a few guys from my community group decided to come and from there I've been coming every year since. It's a time for uh, just gathering with the men in our church and making uh, new friendships, reconnecting old friendships, and just a good fellowship time. What I'd say to the guy that doesn't think they can take the time for a weekend away from home or work is you really can. It, and it's, it's an important time to get away and develop new friendships, developing a good relationship with the Lord. Good evening, Mosaic. My name is Laura, and I'm a part of the prayer ministry team here at Mosaic. And for the last few months, we have instituted a new rhythm in our service called the prayer pause. It's just a time to quiet our hearts and minds in the midst of a really busy week, maybe even day, to do something that we often talk more about than we really do, which is prayer. And so we're gonna give just time and space to slow down, to release our worries to the Lord and receive from him. And we're gonna start with just a moment of relaxing and breathing. So if you guys would breathe with me. The content of these pauses for the last few months has been the Lord's Prayer. And it's what Jesus taught to his disciples in the book of Matthew. Um, for the last few months, we've been walking through that. And a few months ago, Marco led us through what it looked like to praise a praiseworthy God in heaven, that we have a Father in heaven who is worthy of praise and who loves us. And then a month ago, uh, one month ago from now, we had Josh walk us through a prayer of surrender, of giving over our will to the Lord and asking for his will to be done on earth and in our own lives. And tonight, we are praying and asking for God's provision. And you can see it in the last line that we have up on the screen when we ask, give us this day our daily bread. And daily bread can mean just that, asking the Lord for what you need as far as food and water. But I think it's so much more than that too. It's asking for our physical needs and our mental needs and our emotional needs and our, mental, uh, our relational needs. Um, all of the needs for the day. And I think that it's beautiful that Jesus phrased it by saying, give us this day our daily bread. It's very um, in line with the rest of Matthew where Jesus says to not worry about the future, but to instead focus on right now. And so we're gonna take some time in a moment to just reflect on the needs of right now, not worrying about tomorrow, but of the needs of today. And I recognize in the room there might be some people that that's almost too easy. And maybe you're even racking your brain thinking, what could I even ask God for? Because my needs seem to be met. And if so, praise the Lord that your needs have been met. Um, I wanna challenge you if you're in that boat to recognize that God is your provider. I think in the West especially, we can be fooled into thinking that we are the provider of our own needs. Uh, and that's just not true. God is our provider even when we have all the, the blessings and means to be able to provide for ourselves, he is still our provider. So my challenge, if you're in that boat tonight, is to, to stop to ask for the things that you really need and to recognize that God is the provider and not ourselves and not myself. I recognize for other people, this may be one of the hardest things you've heard in a while. It may be really painful to be told to ask for your needs, whether because you felt like you have been asking 
and those haven't been answered yet. Or maybe because it's hard to even ask people for the things that we need. Um, If you're in that boat tonight, I've been there too often. And I promise you that we have a good, good father who is with us in that pain, who feels that with us, and who still wants to provide, and Jesus still calls us to ask. So we're gonna spend a few moments in just quiet where we get to actually spend time praying. If you would like a posture of prayer, you may kneel if you want, if you like to remain sitting, or even reaching out your hands in a posture of receiving what God would have to say or give to you tonight. Let's take a bit to pray. now that we've prayed for our daily bread, I would love for each one of us to spend some time praying for the daily bread of someone else, perhaps someone in your own community or further abroad, Uh, but any needs that you're aware of that someone needs provision for, our God is a provider of those needs as well. So let's intercede on behalf of someone else now for just another minute.
shelter to the homeless, comfort to the sick, rest to the weary, and hope to the hopeless. As you multiplied the offering of fish and loaves, multiply these to accomplish more than we can ask or imagine. We give freely and not under compulsion, for all we have is yours, Lord. Nothing we could give could match your great gift to us, your Son, and your spirit. And the people said, this is the word of the Lord.
Shake before him, the demons run and flee. At the mention of his name, King of Majesty, there is no power in hell, nor any who can stand before the power and the presence of the great I am, the great I am.
joy to sing your name. Yahweh, I am. You are before all things, you are in all things, you are through all things. Without you, nothing has been made that has been made. The mountains shake before you, the demons run and flee, hallelujah. What a joy to sing your name. Our God, the God who is one, I am. Oh, how we love you. Oh, how we love you. Amen. Can I read a little bit of a section in John 10? Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they, have may, that they may have life and have it to the full. And the people said, this is the word of the Lord. Well, I love services like this where it's laid back and we just have a keyboard. Scott, are you still back there? It's the best band we've had in a long time, buddy. <laughs> He's the only guy I know that could be behind the curtain back there and you can still hear him. Oh, I love that. We need to slow down. Slow down once in a while, don't we? And just in the quiet, contemplate, the prayer pause. Everything is so nice tonight. You have doors on your house? Yes? Yeah? You know, back in the 60s, I can remember... Uh, my family, we never locked the doors of our house back then. Any of you remember that? You never locked your doors? I only started locking our doors when we moved in the neighborhood where Bill Walker lived. And uh, <laughs> we started locking everything up, you know, and cinching it down at night. But yeah, we have doors. Why? Yeah, keep the, keep the good things in, the bad things out, Right? Just a few nights ago, uh, I walked out to take our dog out about midnight. And I, I'm glad I walked through the garage this time. And, and uh, I'd forgotten to close the garage door. It was about midnight. Now, I was a little uptight about that because just a couple of months back, I had a little fracas with a 
possum. And the possum won. The possum won. I got the better of it, and I turned him loose and everything. But trapped possums do what trapped possums do, and I had to clean it all up after he was gone. And I could still smell it. I mean, I really could. So that's how he got the better of me on that deal. But I thought, when I found that garage door open, I thought, there's probably something in here because we live close to a wooded area. And so I got down on my hands and knees and looked under the cars and looked behind everything to make sure there wasn't any, and there wasn't anything in there. Uh, but you know what I'm talking about. The reason we have doors is to keep the good things in and the bad things out. And so tonight, we are in the I am statements again, and the statement is this, I am the door, I am the gate, I am the entrance. You'll find door in some versions of the Bible, you'll find gate in some entrances, but it, uh, in some versions, but I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the door, I am the good shepherd, I am the resurrection, I am the way, I am the true vine. These are important statements for us to look through. Look through. Now, the, the sheepfold, or the pen that he's talking about, was an enclosure where the sheep would be kept for the night. And they would be kept safe. Sometimes the shepherd would lie down at the entrance of the door, the gate. I'm going to call it the gate. He would lie down at the entrance to keep them safe through the night. Now in all these, when he uses the phrase, I am, it's really important for you to understand what that means. For us to, to get the, the, the full impact of what he was saying, we have to go back to Exodus chapter 3. If you have your Bible, go back there. Exodus chapter 3, or we've got it on the, on the screen here. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God says to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. And literally that I am is Yahweh. It was the name that God gave to himself. It was so sacred that, that the, the Jews were afraid to write out the name. And so they came up with a tetragrammaton, the, the uh, YHWH. And that's how they would denote it in scripture. The scholars didn't even know what word they were using. And that's how they came up with Jehovah. But it's Yahweh. That's the name God gave. And then when we read in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, whenever you see Lord in, in all caps in our, our versions, when it's all caps, that's Yahweh. Yahweh. And so when Jesus said, I am, the Greek version of that is ego eimi. Ego eimi. I am. And he was hearkening back to God's words to Moses. This is God's name. And so these are powerful words. 
There are other times in the scriptures where Jesus says, I am going here, or I'm doing this, whatever. But it's a different Greek word. When he used these words, ego me, he was saying, I am. He was saying that he was God. When the soldiers came to get Jesus, you remember that in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was on the Mount of Olives? The Garden, the garden of Crushing? That's what Gethsemane means, crushing. He was in the garden and Jesus asked the soldiers, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am he. And you remember what happened to all of them? It knocked them to the ground. That's how powerful those words were coming out of his mouth. And so each one of those that we study, bread of life, way of life, resurrection in the life, door, good shepherd, all of those, think about the power in those words. I am. Ego in me. So the next time, I had, a, I had a guy tell me one time, ask me one time, he says, would you go talk to my mother about the Lord? And so I said, yes, I'll, I'll go talk to her. And the first thing she said to me, she was pretty cranky. The first thing she said to me, Jesus never claimed to be God. Yes, he did. When he said, I am he was identifying himself as deity. All right? So remember that. The shepherd takes good care of his sheep. You're going to talk about that this week and next week. Have you ever associated yourself with a picture like this? I love that. Where the nail-scarred hands of the Lord are wrapped around his sheep love and care that's how Jesus loves you and me look at that scripture Isaiah 40 and 11 he tends his flock like a shepherd he gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart he gently leads those that have young we see that in Psalm 23 one of our favorite psalms where you have a sheep talking to another sheep across the fence. And he says, the Lord is my shepherd. And I'll never lack for anything. He makes me lie down in green pastures when I'm tired. He leads me beside quiet waters. Because you see the sheep, they would be afraid of the running water that ran through the wadis in Israel. So he would dam up the water so that they would take a drink. He said, he restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, even the valley of death, I will fear no evil. And then his focus changes. He looks to the shepherd and says, for you are with me. And he does through the rest of the psalm. Your rod and your staff keep me safe. You prepare a feast before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. 
What more could I ask for, he's saying. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in your house forever and ever and ever. That's how much God loves you. Right there. It's an amazing thing. And so I want you to get that into your mind for this week and next as you study about the shepherd. Now let me ask you a few questions. Are you a sheep without a shepherd? You know, it, it bugs me sometimes when I ask people if they know the Lord. And I, happened, I had this happen just a little while back, just a few weeks ago. Someone tells me, well, I've always believed in Jesus. And you know why that scares me? Because it almost sounds like they believe in Jesus like some historical figure. James said the demons believe and tremble. And so there's more to it than just acknowledging with an intellectual assent that Jesus existed. There's more to it than that. It's placing our trust and our hope in him. And there are other people who will say to me, oh yeah, I, w I was baptized as, a, as an infant. No. No, that's not it. Being baptized, look at, look at what Romans says. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess faith and are saved. Anybody know a baby who can do that? There is no scriptural reference that says being baptized as a baby confers salvation to anyone. Scares me to death that people go through life thinking that if they just, if they just believe he existed or they were baptized as a baby, that they're cool with God. Mm -mm. It's placing our trust in him. It's asking him to come into our life as our savior and our Lord. It's believing in something enough to act on it as the Spirit woos us. Amen? Then don't just listen to that when they say, oh, I've believed in Jesus all my life. Okay, you're good. No, press further. Press further. Ask more questions. Another question, are you a sheep who has wandered away from the shepherd? Are you a sheep who's wandered away from the shepherd? And you need, you need to come home. Robert Robinson wrote a, a great hymn that you're familiar with. Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise his name. I'm fixed upon it. The name of God's redeeming love. And in the last verse, he reveals some struggles that he had personally. If you read about it. So to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let your grace like a fetter, like a chain, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. 
Here's my heart. Take and seal it. Seal it for your courts above. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Anyone relate? Yeah. We're surrounded by so much stuff. So much stuff that takes our hearts and our minds away from God. And we're prone to wander. And another question that I'm going to save for next week for someone else to talk about is, do you know his voice? And we'll get to that just a minute in the passage and how you get to know the still small voice of the Lord. If we don't know him, if we're a sheep without a shepherd or if we're a wandering sheep, let me tell you something, life can get really, really, really hard. Just before I came up here tonight, I went by to see a lady who's uh, in the hospital and she's probably in the last week of her life and she is so close to Jesus. I want to be where she is when I come to that moment. I don't want to be wandering. How about you? That's where I want to be. Pursuing him all the days of my life. Well, I looked up the other day because uh, I wondered why are we so often compared to the sheep, sheep in Scripture? And so I just Googled in dumb things sheep do. And I got some pretty good stuff. One writer said, contrary to what you may have heard or even expressed yourself, sheep are not stupid. They rank just below the pig. I never really considered a pig being that smart. But then I remembered Arnold the pig from Green Acres. And it all, it all made sense to me, you know. Some of the younger ones are saying, who? What? Look up Green Acres on YouTube. Arnold the pig. You, you love it. <laughs> Sheep are incredibly easy to frighten. They'll run and group together because they have no natural defenses. Sheep can't fight. Sheep can't fight. They have, look at this sheep. I don't know if you can see it from there, but they have rectangular pupils. Rectangular. See that? They have 360 degree vision, but they can only see about 13 to 15 feet. And so that's probably why they're frightened so easily. They can see everything, but they don't know what it is. There's something coming. We better run. They will follow one another. They imitate one another. If the lead sheep, now I've never seen this and I've never raised sheep, but they say if you take a rope and you put it over the entrance to the sheep pen, if the first sheep jumps over it, then you can drop the rope and all of the rest of them are going to jump too. I read about one group of sheep where the lead sheep ran over a cliff and all the rest of them did. They lost their whole flock. So they are not that smart. And they do wander. Don't tip them over because they can't get back up. You ever heard of cow tipping? Don't do that to a sheep unless you plan to go back and help it back up. Isaiah 53, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's why we're compared to sheep in the scriptures. That's why we struggle so, is we're prone to wander. There's sheep everywhere in Israel. I took this picture one day at Beit Shemesh. There's just a flock. The, the Near Eastern shepherds, they, they lead their sheep. In other parts of the world, they drive their sheep. 
But I've seen it many times. A, a, a shepherd will lead a sheep across the road and everybody stops both ways. You just wait until the flock comes across. And we were standing at Beit Shemesh there and this guy walks up by us and all his sheep are following him and they just went all around us and then they were in front of us there and I took this picture. It's a really neat spot. That's the Valley of Sorek just behind. To the, to the right of this picture is where Samson was born in, in Zorah. And to the left of the picture is Timnah where he went to, to find a, a wife. And that's also the valley, the Soric Valley, where the people were working out in the field and, and they looked up and here comes the Ark of the Covenant being pulled by two cows on a cart because the Philistines had taken it and that wasn't such a good idea. They wound up with tumors all over their bodies and they said, what do we do? And let's, and let's send it back. They came up that valley. But the sheep were there grazing and it was a beautiful sight to just watch them and think about what it must have been like in those old times. The sheepfold. Here's a sheepfold as you can see, a sheep pen. This is out in the middle of the field and there at the bottom you can see the entrance to the sheep pen. The sheepfold as we see it in scripture. Where the shepherd would lie down at night and, and, and protect the sheep. And so put that in your mind as we read our passage and study it a little bit. In John 10, verse 1, he says, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, context. Some of your versions won't say Pharisees there, but they're carrying over what is really happening. You see, this is uh, from, from 710 to 1039 in the book of John, chapter 7, verse 10, to chapter 10, verse 39. You, you, we're going from the Feast of Tabernacles unto the, the Feast of Dedication, or, or the Feast of Hanukkah. It was the Feast of Dedication. It ran through mid-October, uh, and, and then the Feast of Dedication was in the end of, at the end of December. And so this is the time when Jesus had a real struggle with the Pharisees. You see it back in John 9, because it came to a fevered pitch with the man born blind. They threw him out of the temple and Jesus went and found him. He was at the pool of Siloam. That's where he sent him. And the Pharisees really got angry about that. So he's really into it with the Pharisees. They're struggling. And says, he says, very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief, one who steals in secret, and a robber, one who uses violence to steal. Now when he says thieves and robbers, who is he referring to? We've got to know the context of the passage of course, there is application for you and me here. But also, as he's talking to those Pharisees, he is referring to the false shepherds who aren't allowing the Jews to experience the fullness of Messiah who has come. They're blocking the way. They're saying he heals on the Sabbath. He's not from God. And so that's who he's talking about. They're stealing their very souls. Verse 2. 
The wanderer who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. That's Christ. He's the caretaker of the sheep. And he uses that door, that entrance, the gate. And he's the only one who can do it. He says the gatekeeper, the under-shepherd, could it have been John the Baptist he was referring to there? I don't know. There's a lot of speculation. But the under-shepherd opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name. He never says, hey, you. He calls them by name. He knows them and he leads them out. Why does he lead them out of the sheepfold? So that they can have food and water. So that he can provide for them. Take care of their every need. The Lord is my shepherd. I'll never lack for anything. Verse 4. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They know his voice. I read the story of a group of soldiers who... uh, uh, took over a city because the people weren't paying their taxes. And so they took all their sheep and they put them in a pen together, all the sheep in the village. And a woman came to them and said, please let me have my sheep. I'm a widow. I have no other way to support myself. And the soldier said to her sarcastically, how do you know which ones are yours? And she looked at her son And he made a sound, and her sheep came running to her. They knew that sound, that voice. How do we know the voice of the Lord? By spending time in his word. By praying. And as we did a moment ago, listen. And then respond. If we do that on a regular basis and spend time with the Lord, then you're going to know his voice. You're going to know his principles. You're going to to know what he says is true. And you'll understand that still small voice that speaks. And you'll follow. Remember that. Read, pray, listen, and respond. Read, pray. Listen, we leave that one out so often. Just be quiet and then respond. That's how we know his voice. In verse 5, he says, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. That's pretty easy to understand. They're not going to follow the stranger because they know. That's not their master. They know that what that stranger has to offer is never going to be what they need. Verse 6, Jesus uses figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. They didn't get it. His words were so foreign to them. You know, when he healed a blind man, all they could focus on was that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. They couldn't celebrate that that a guy had sight now and he'd been born blind. 
No, they couldn't do that because he had broken their law, their, their commandments. 365 commandments, 248 prohibitions. <laughs> 613 things they had to keep up with. And that's all they could focus on. And so that's why they didn't understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said, and whenever we see therefore, what? Why is the therefore there? It's important. Therefore, Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, I am. Ego a me. The gate, the door, the entrance for the sheep. And the Pharisees knew what he meant when he said, ego a me. They understood that. He was declaring himself equal to God. And that's why they would try to stone him very soon. Verse 8, he said, all who have come before me are thieves and robbers. Who is he talking about? The false shepherds of Israel who were leading Israel astray. They were self-appointed. They were self-righteous. They were under the rule of Rome, but in Jerusalem they had their thumb on the people. Anyone who wanted to worship in the temple, they decided whether they could or whether they couldn't. And if they decided you couldn't go into the temple, that meant you were banished from God. Jesus said, you're thieves and robbers. But the sheep are listening to me. The sheep are listening to me. And he repeats himself, verse 9. He says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they might have life. And have it to the full. Or as we know it, abundant life. I love how Eugene Peterson described that in, in his, not translation, but his paraphrase. He says, I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. That's what Jesus has to offer. Want it? Want what he has to offer or you want what the world has to offer? We have to make a choice. Two types of people in the world, lost or saved. Those who seek Jesus and those who don't. That's foreign to our world. Just as it was foreign to the Pharisees. So what is our 21st century application for these, these verses? Number one, we have an enemy too. We have an enemy who wants to kill and destroy us. To get between us and God. To ban us from his presence. To, to, to fool us into thinking there's something better out there for us. And we've got to get past thinking that Satan is a boogeyman in the closet. Some mythical creature that someone dreamed up. He is real. And he wants to stop you from knowing the Lord. New Testament paints very clear pictures of Satan being alive and well. We have a protector standing at the gate watching over us just as a sheep. At that sheepfold had a shepherd there at the entrance protecting them. So do we. We have a shepherd. 
and he knows us by name. Our shepherd, our protector, knows us by name. As a matter of fact, we're told that he knows the number of hairs on our head. It wasn't just a metaphor, it was real. He knows the numbers of hairs on our head. And we have a Lord who wants us to know his voice when he calls. In order to do that, we've got to turn down the noise. We've got to turn down the noise. You don't need noise everywhere. When you walk through the door of your house and turn on the TV or turn on the radio, you know, we, got to, we think we've got to have noise, don't we? What about just the quiet? So you can talk to God. So you can listen for his voice. All the things that we listen to, TV, podcasts, blogs, Hollywood, music, all that stuff, it gets into your head and ultimately in your heart. And if none of it's about the Lord, you just get lost in it. Just like the prayer pause in this service tonight. Shh. Listen. We have a Savior who offers us eternal life, more and better life than we could have ever dreamed of. We have a provider, just like the 23rd Psalm says. He'll give us everything that we need. And we have a Father who wants to give us a hope that surpasses all our dreams. Our Lord holds us in his arms with his nail-scarred hands and says, you're mine. And that same Lord is our shepherd. He is I am. And you know what I am means? He always was. He is. And he always will be. That's what it means. Ego e me. I always was. I am. And I always will be. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God and Father, we thank you that we have a door. We thank you, Lord, that we can call on your name and you never turn your face away. That you carry us in your arms with your nail-scarred hands. Oh, Father, we ask that would just remind us of that tonight and if there's one in this room who doesn't know you I pray tonight will be the night when they will say Lord Jesus come into my heart I want to follow you I want to be what you'd have me be friends will you stand with us as we worship our shepherd Lord I come
You 
truth that we hold to. This is good news, church. All the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. All the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. Help us to see you, Jesus. Help us to sing your greatness every day, every moment. May your name be on our lips. May your goodness be on our mind. We love you. Help us as we go from this place, Lord, to walk with you intimately. In our world of distraction, our world of busyness, help us to know you as the door, the gateway, the guard, Jesus, our good shepherd. In his name, and only his name, we pray, amen. Friends and family, if you would like some prayer, um, the prayer team will be up here by the banners. There's someone from the prayer team. Um, so please come up or, or tell someone next to you uh, to pray with you. That'd be awesome as well. If you're new and you'd love to get connected, there will be some folks at the info booth in the foyer that would love to chat with you. Um, and before you leave, may we say this together. Let us go in peace to love and serve the Lord and the people said, thanks, thanks be to God. God. You're dismissed. We'll see you next week. <laughs>